This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Libby returns tomorrow. It's Jane Brown in for Libby today. Uh, She's looking forward to getting back with you from her mini vacation. But until then, we want to address solutions to reverse the gun violence in Toronto. The latest Toronto police stats actually provide mixed messages. Year to date, fatal shootings are at a three-year low. 19 so far this year, compared with 30 this time last year, 23 in 2017, and 26 in 2016. Overall, homicides are down this year, too. This is good news, right? Not so much. Gun-related injuries are at a more than 10-year high. So far in 2019, 111 people have been injured in a shooting. We haven't had that kind of a number at this point in the year for more than 10 years. And that's the concern for local political and community leaders. Joining us to discuss this hot button issue, Reverend Sky Star, who is a trauma and addiction specialist, and Toronto City Councillor Paula Fletcher of Ward 14, Toronto Danforth. Welcome to you both. Hi, Jane. Hello. Hi. Let's address the obvious question first. Councillor Fletcher, why do you think we're seeing more shootings and more injuries? You know, I've just gone back and done a little homework, and I saw that in uh, 2008, our city council called for a gun ban. Mayor David Miller even had a petition for a gun ban. And that's now 11 years later, nothing's happened. So with no action, of course, people have easier access to guns, and it looks like they're not illegal the way it's being handled right now. And Reverend Starr, your thoughts on that? (laughs) Hmm. I think, well, I agree with uh, with, um, Councillor Fletcher, but I think we actually need to go back to the root of where everything... I mean, we, we manufacture a minimum amount of guns here. We need to be concentrating on where they're coming from, port of entry, how to stop that. I mean, this is the basic, I mean, this is the first point of entry. We need to look there. And where are they coming from, the United States? Well, well, when I went to the summit in Ottawa, the RCMP said the majority of stuff was coming from the border. Right. Detroit, at the border, the other other ports of entry, we need to be concentrating on that. No, I think recently the Toronto police said that over half of the guns that have been used in Toronto are legal weapons. People are breaking in, they're stealing their handguns. And of course, why would anybody need an assault rifle in the city? We have had um, so long for federal governments to be able to step in and deal with that. And we are simply waiting and waiting. It's wrong. Too many lives are being lost. 
We heard yesterday from the public safety minister, Ralph Goodale. He says the federal government has set aside funding to help the city curb gun violence and is close to releasing a very strong and effective package that could further restrict assault style weapons in the coming weeks. Do do you believe this, Councillor Fletcher? Um, I'd like to believe this. I have no idea what conversations have been held with the city. I think it's, uh, maybe I'm a bit jaded, Jane, but no, this government's had five years to get this done, and now it's being held out as an election tidbit. That is wrong. Either you're serious about this or you're not. I've gone back in 2007 when I was working with Jack Layton. He was calling for a ban on assault rifles. David Miller, 2008, ban on on um, weapons in the city. Last term, Mayor Tory leading stop handguns in the city of Toronto and assault weapons. And, you know, I understand if somebody's way up and they need a rifle to go out and, and get a bears at their door. I've got that. But in the city, in large cities, there is no need at all for these guns. And that's exactly what Mayor Tory has been saying as well, that no one in the city of Toronto needs a gun. He's right. Yeah, but then the city is not really doing anything to stop that. What happened to the ban? Why aren't they voting on things that would really help? And the funding, whatever funding is being offered, I work in the community. Most of my work is around gun violence victims and survivors of gun violence. There is nothing, literally nothing, for communities to manage after all of this shooting. This mother who's suffering right now, yes. there is no support for her. Like we do have the support at the going, city. The funds is going. Where is it going? Whatever funding is getting there, it's not coming down to the ground and community where people are actually doing the hands-on work to support these families. Right. And Councillor Fletcher, I do want you ad- to address uh, the Reverend's question. What we heard last night from some of the residents at the Falstaff Community Centre about the 16-year-old boy who was shot and killed last week is that these disenfranchised neighbourhoods have nothing. They feel like they've been left, in her words, this one resident, at the bottom of the barrel. And the Reverend is also expressing this. So how do you reassure the people of that neighborhood and other vulnerable neighborhoods that, in fact, there are programs that are being implemented or passed or prioritized at city council? Well, first of all, the issue of guns and guns in the city, that federal government owns that. The provincial government owns the ammunition. Mm -hmm. And we're the ones picking up the pieces from no legislation around guns, and I mean the city. So there are certain types of programs, and I believe the Reverend knows that. We have a CCRP program. After a violent incident, people go into the community. Public health goes into the community. They help people manage. Uh, That's what we're doing at our end. We're looking to have jobs and programs for youth, but we're just a city. We don't have that big tax base. So The other thing is Toronto Community Housing, and I know we're not supposed to target them, but honestly, we have to have a violence uh, protection program there, a much stronger one that's dealing with families that are in trouble, dealing with kids that are going on the wrong path, and then simply dealing with gangbangers that are living there. Let's discuss that, Reverend. You have been living in the Jane Finch area for 43 years. 
You've 46 been, this year. Oh, 46. Uh, you, need to, <laughs> you need to update your website. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I, I work with volunteers. I have no funding for whatever I do. It's I know. Stuff. I'm just so kidding. There. I'm just okay, kidding. I got you. No, 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 but I will address that. Thank you. Yes, I know. We all have to change our LinkedIn profiles and all of that kind of stuff, yeah. too. Um, so you've been working in that area. Well, that's almost 50 years that or yeah. living in the area for 50 years. Right. Explain to us what it's like for these families living in Toronto community housing, what life is like for the children of those families and, and how they get pulled into guns and gangs, because that that's no secret. That's what's happening. Okay. Well, first of all, we have a systemic issue. There's poverty, there's racism, there's marginalization, all of that stuff, you put it all together. These are families and youth who look forward sometimes. I have a youth saying to me, I wish I would live to, I hope I would live to be 18. When a youth said that to you, you know, they are already feeling hopeless. Yes. So the, the programs and stuff that these guys need over time, like when a youth is, is traumatized, and this is what happens when there's a shooting, and we are continuously having this. And when this is not addressed on the ground level for youth, for students who are going to school, you have issues like mental health. You have a truancy where kids are just failing off school, where they can't function. And, and, and I'm sure the city and everybody else would want to see these youth grow up to have respective families, to have respectful um, uh, lifestyle and all of that stuff. It's not going to happen because the root cause of all the stuff that they're going through right now, the trauma, that's not getting debriefed. They don't have the thorough um, um, programs to help them through that. Grief is not, and trauma is not a, a short-term process. It's a long-term process. Yes. And there needs to be ongoing, ongoing programs to help them. I work with mothers. I work with youth. I work with children. But listen, I'm just one person. We have a group of people who I train with just a few people. And there needs to be something that's happening from the, between the federal government to the provincial government, to the municipal government, flowing through the city and have a combined system that will help to alleviate that and to address that, which is not happening. What, how important are these youth hubs? We've been hearing a little bit about those, and especially now in light of all the shootings over the weekend. Uh, and Councillor Fletcher, I'd like you to speak to that as well. There was a proposal for more youth hubs, including in the Jane Falstaff area where this young boy was killed in the stairwell, um, and it was voted down, these additional youth hubs. What went on behind that decision? Uh, that, uh, I believe the councillor brought that motion forward. I did support that because I think, like the Reverend says, everything that we can be doing to bring youth together into a safe place and into a place where they can grow in a healthy way is so important to do. And public libraries are another important place for youth. So that seemed to go off the tracks, and I'm not sure why. At that point, city council said, no, perhaps there was no funding and it will come back up for next year. We have um, a number of programs, but I agree with our reverend that there are not enough. There's not enough coordination. There's not enough funding. You know, we work uh, 365 days a year uh, for the communities and trying to get resources to the communities. But the city cannot do that alone. It needs partners in the provincial and federal government. And I want to say that, Reverend, you might remember we were 
together when Joan Howard released the doves in memory of her son, Kempton. Yeah, I remember. Kempton Howard Park, you remember that? Yeah, I remember. Uh, I, I, do re- yes. I do remember that. Yes. Yes, so uh, I, I there think, are so I many strong champions not- there that okay. are smart and mm-hmm. know how to help. And those are the mothers whose sons were taken. Uh, they have great ideas. I know they work with you, Reverend Sky, and we need to tap into their knowledge a bit more than we are. I agree with you because we need community input and we don't have that. Like the city doesn't consult. Okay. There needs, like you talk, we're talking about coordination. Okay. So here we are. The mayor ran his campaign on setting up programs that would support and eliminate gun violence. Haven't seen it yet. Has not happened yet. And the city the counselors are making decisions without input from the community. We need to have a say. And this, this coordination is really the key, I feel, to addressing this issue. Reverend, do you think that that uh, meeting last night at the Falstaff Community Center, that that is a microcosm that what needs to happen on a much larger scale? It absolutely does. But I think, like, listen, we react all the time. It's a very reactive situation. Mm -hmm. When a shooting happens, everybody's there. The mayor comes, the police comes, whoever is there. But after everything has happened, the funeral has happened, after much trouble, because the mom has to go and raise funds now for this funeral, because nobody plans to bury their child at an early age, especially if you're in a low, impoverished community. Everybody recedes back to their places, wherever that is. And the family and the community is left to deal with that. We have a multitude of mothers and families, youth and children dealing with trauma that's not being addressed. And the city needs to know that. And Reverend, what is it? What is the police presence like around Jane and Finch? Because uh, Chief Saunders says that the officers are working with people in the neighborhood. He said he understands that there needs to be a larger footprint, but he said there is community involvement by the police. Is that? Would you say that's an accurate statement? Yes, there is uh, um, some um, activity and some coordination, collaboration. But don't forget, we've had. In every community, there's always this conflict, this tension between the police and the community. That is what really needs to be addressed. And this is the fence that needs to be mended. And that happens over time. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. I know you as the Zoomer Radio listener want to get in on this discussion as well. Uh, Should the city put forth additional funding towards youth hubs in vulnerable areas? What strategies do you think should be implemented or addressed to bring the violence down? Uh, Whether you're an expert or not, you may have some thoughts. Uh, We do have some listeners on the line here. Let's go to Brian in Brampton. Brian, go ahead. What would you like to add? Well, thank you very much for taking my call. Um, I, my aunt lived with Jane and Finch for years. Uh, she's from Windsor, Chevalier, right? And she raised two daughters down there. And all they needed down there was basketball, uh, a sports program, baseball, hockey for the kids, and, and, and art classes. It's all they need. Yeah. They, they, they got to give them something to do because they will, they will grab a gun. They will you know, they grab a baseball bat or a gun. What do you want them to grab? You know, uh, the the lack of funding, the generations of the criminals are are generations of criminals. See you, Regent Park. It all happens. Windsor happens. Windsor happens all over Canada. Did you you live in Regent Park? It's money. Did you live in Regent Park? 
reason I played baseball in Regent Park, we went bowling every Friday, and, and we played baseball on Sundays. And horseshoes with everybody. We had a great time. The Massey family, all these people, great, great people. Baseball and hockey got these kids out. Some went to jail. Some some grabbed the gun. Some grabbed the baseball bat. You know what I mean? Some got, some guys stole cars, and some guys learned how to make them. All right, Brian, thank you. And I want to ask the Reverend about that for children that you've seen, <laughs> the children you've seen over the year who've had access to sports, crafts, drama, music, uh, what uh, something to, to get them excited about life. What kinds yeah. of changes do you see in these children? Listen, from Brian, I don't know how old Brian is, but um, time, times have changed a lot. Since Brian lived here, if he said his aunt grew up here, I don't even know who he's referring to because if it's somebody who's active in a community and is still active, then I would know about that. But times have changed. The things that, that kids need to motivate, motivate them and encourage them has changed. I mean, we are living in, in a technological age where kids need other things than sports. Yes, sports is important. But they need to be educated. They need to be street smart. They need to be uh, um, uh, computer literate and all of those kinds of stuff. The different times right now. I agree with you, uh, Reverend. And when Brian said, grab a baseball bat or grab a gun, probably <laughs> back then, there weren't many guns around to grab. But yeah. today, it's easy to grab a gun. I'm just going to take us back to the whole issue of guns, how available they are. And that this is our crisis, is that you can grab a gun and you can simply kill somebody over a small issue. Whereas before, yeah. you probably would just had a fight. Now, you grab a gun. And, Counselor, yeah. what about these gun amnesty programs? Are those effective in, in getting guns off the street? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure, actually. Yeah. It's a great idea to get them, but look at all what we just had happen this weekend. So none of those guns went in on the amnesty. Maybe they're old models. I yep, think I would the think real issue the thing is... Yeah, I, yeah I, I'm yeah. sorry to cut you, but I think there are older issues that people have in their basements or people have yeah. uh, hanging around that they're willing to give up or willing to hand in. Yes. It's not really addressing the easy access to guns that people have. A youth tells me they can buy a gun for $50. They can get a gun yep. for free. They can get a gun for $30. When, when youth's telling you that, like 10, 13 years old, telling you they can... They have easy access to a gun. So we need to be addressing that. Again, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-744-740, talking about the gun violence in Toronto, which was really punctuated over the long weekend with 17 people injured in 14 separate incidents. And again, to recap what we were saying at the beginning of the half hour, although fatal shootings are at a three-year low, homicides are down this year, gun-related injuries are at a more than 10-year high. Let's go to Al in... In Brantford, Al, what would you like to add? Well, I'll just skip ahead quickly. To uh, I, I belong to a service club, and I have a good friend that belongs in the club, too. He lives up in Scarborough. And I was at his house last fall in October, I guess it was. Anyway, we get talking about that. He was talking to me, and we were talking back and forth. I lived in the city almost all my life, okay? And I seen the changes. He did, too. Now, his he's from the Caribbean. His opinion was that it goes back to Manly and Siaga changing positions in the island and their henchmen on either side come up here and when they changed government, they went back. That started the culture up here. 
That's what he said. Now, he lives there. He still lives today, and he's still active like this reverend is. But not too many people want to admit that. The other thing was there's no real hard penalty if you're caught with a gun. He gave me an instance of a drug dealer that was caught with a gun, and the judge accepted the fact he carried a loaded gun was to protect his business. His business was illegal, drug dealing. That's what's wrong with the courts. All right, Al, thank you for calling in. Let's go to Diane and Markham. Diane, uh, you have some thoughts yeah. about the gun violence? Well, my concern about these youths who do this, I'm wondering if they have a male role model. Because you see on the news, you better, uh, most of the time see women. And I want to know where the fathers are, like fathers who should take <laughs> their sons to the ballpark and throw a ball or pitch a football. Like, what's happening in that area? Okay, well, I'll put, let's put that question to the Reverend. <laughs> okay, this is one of the reasons why we have our Fathers Across Cultures uh, um, program. So I do a few programs, and we're trying to figure out how to minimize the violence, where to put uh, um, needed resources. So our Fathers Across Cultures program works with mentors, yes. We have uh, a minimum amount of fathers who are um, um, actively engaged, and we have a lot of single-parent mothers and single-parent families in the community, and this, again, is one of our issues. So they need role models, and so programs such as that would be helpful. So we have a Fathers of Trust Cultures program that um, helps to mentor our young men, uh, match them with somebody who can um, mentor them and who can give them some advice and who can help them, you know, to understand what it's like to be a man. And yes, that is something that is absolutely needed. Let's go to Joan in North York. Joan, uh, your thoughts on gun violence. Okay, my thoughts are rather radical. Um, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, there is never any excuse for anybody to have a gun. If you're caught with a gun, there is automatic five years in jail. No trial, no bail, no lawyer, no habeas corpus, <laughs> no Chapter 15 of the, of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Well, I, I think that that is a non-starter, but, <laughs> but, but Councillor Fletcher, maybe we can take from that uh, a message to the federal politicians, the federal candidates in the fall election this year. Uh, if the Trudeau Liberals uh, on their re-election platform, is this something they can address uh, without worrying about it becoming a partisan issue? Look what they did in New Zealand after the mosque shootings there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, yes, they did. Exactly. And after uh, the Danforth shootings, nothing happened. Yes. So no action was taken whatsoever. So I don't think this should be a partisan election no. uh, tidbit and cookie to hand out to people. I think this should be taken very seriously. It's an epidemic and simply needs to be dealt with as far as cities are concerned. And I just maybe, as I said, I'm a bit jaded, but if you can legalize marijuana in your five-year term, for goodness sake, you should have been able to deal with guns in cities within that term and Excellent. not make it yes. something you want to do next time. I just think that's wrong. Excellent point. Uh, we'll yeah. give you the final word, Reverend. We're wrapping up the segment now. Yeah. Well, I think we need to, instead in, of, uh, yes, we absolutely need to address the gun violence. We need to address the port of entry but we also need to make sure that community is involved in decision-making that is, that is being done and support needs to be given on the ground to people who are in need, like youth and children, families who are still suffering. And please remember 
that trauma is not just an eight hour or uh, an, an incident like during the incident, the, the shooting, the funeral, it's long term. And the support needs to be there to help minimize that violence. Is there anywhere for, because our audience is a 45 plus audience, Reverend, and yes. a lot of people want to give back to the community. Is there a way mm-hmm. to get in touch with you, with what you, with you or, what, or your organization to help out, to give back? Absolutely. Our, uh, my organization is called Out of Bounds Grief and Trauma Support. We have a website. We have a Facebook page. Everybody can reach me at 647 647- Seven two four five one one four, and our website is www.outofboundsjf.org. Okay, give me your phone number one more time. Six four seven four seven seven two four. All the best to you. Thank you for your thank time you. today. Appreciate the opportunity. And Councillor Paula Fletcher, as always, we thank you for your time. Thank you. Nice to chat with you too, Miss Fletcher. You too, Sky. Take care. <laughs> Bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.